to another episode of Studio 7500. We're your hosts, Greg Houle and Jamie Brown. We're here talking about more Woodbury stuff and doing our thing and talking to Woodbury folk. And yeah, definitely. So, Greg, I hear you've had a busy week here on campus. What's happening? Yeah, so, well, thanks for, for asking. Yes, yeah, so last week we updated our virtual tour. Ooh. And that includes, we went down to San Diego, and we got some shots down there, our lovely building down there. And those should be live on the website soon. We got some additional shots of our making complex, so that's cool. We also did a video on Friday of our making complex. Our friend Jeff Durkin, who helps us out for Bread Truck um, Films, great job we work with him a lot giving him an extra plug there but um he put together I, what i think is going to be a really exceptional video in fact we got some really good drone footage of the campus so that's going to be good so we're looking forward to seeing that soon and then yesterday we filmed six videos in one day. Wow. Organizing 40 different students. It was quite a project, but I think we got through it and we should see those in the next few weeks. So a lot going on. So were the students from all the different schools? Yes. Very cool. And what are we going to do with these videos? They're going to be part of a video view book. So it's sort of like aimed directly at uh, prospective students. And it's really a peer-to-peer thing. So it was all students talking to hopefully prospective students of Woodbury, really giving them a true sense of what it's like to be here. They're really short videos. We shot a lot of B-roll. We got some exciting stuff happening on campus. So yeah, we've been creating a ton of content. So that's good. Um, We saw our friend from last week, uh, I already forgot her name, Jocelyn. <laughs> she was in the video. Um, remember our original, our first show? We introduced, or we interviewed Trisha Lopez. She was in there. Right. Um, we had a bunch of people, a lot of good people. We got a lot of good students, and so it was good to talk to them. Didn't talk to any faculty members, no administrators. It's all about the students. Yeah, that's great. I'm going to correct you. Her name is Jacqueline. What did I call her? Jocelyn. Oh, jeez. But she actually, sorry, Jackie. She likes to go by Jackie. Yeah, that's gonna be. We hope our tiny house is coming along. You know, I posted our interview on Facebook, and a lot of people responded. Oh, cool. Yeah, they were like, "I want to see the tiny house." And oh, wow, very. So cool. I hope I hope it works out. That sounds great. What about you? What's up with you? Yeah, so we have um, a new exhibition coming to our gallery, Nan Ray. And it's going to be starting next month, I believe, on October 5th. Well, October 5th is the, um, the uh, opening. So basically, in a nutshell, um, we are going to be showcasing L.A. artists Victoria Reynolds and Michael Alvarez. And their exhibition is called What's More Real Than Flesh? And it's like meat. Yeah, yeah, let's go into that a little so, bit. So, Rebecca Albrecht, who's part of our marketing team. And amazing graphic designer. She's working on the, the like the catalog, I believe, for this, this event. And the thing is, Rebecca 
um, has she's vegan and is very um, turned off by meat. So this is quite a juxtaposition. It's kind of interesting. So anyway. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. And yeah, Rebecca used to eat meat, but literally she watched one of these documentaries on, you know, what happens to animals when the whole, you know, when every, when they're processed, for lack of a better term, and she now she can't even eat chicken or anything. Yeah, I, I should watch that, but I kind of like chicken. You know, I, I will tell you, my, my personal food journey, do people have that? I'm sure they do. You know, because this is 19, I mean, 2019, people have all kinds of personal journeys. Mine, I don't eat meat during the week. Yeah, that Just works. a little bit on the weekends, and I call it a day. Are you doing that for health purposes? Yeah, mainly, and the environment. Yeah, okay. You know, I think everyone knows if the less meat you eat, the healthier you are. Mm-hmm. And it's also better for the environment. But the thing is, like, here's the thing that gets me, is we always have this black and white culture where you're like, I can't eat meat ever. Or I, I'm a only eat meat or whatever. I sort of feel like it's fine. You know, you can eat meat. Yeah, no. every now and again. But oh, yeah. if you generally try not to eat too much of it, you're probably going to be better off. Yeah, I'm the same way. I never, like really you know crave not a big craver of meat yeah i like chicken but i'm not like a a cow eater a beef eater where's the beef i don't eat much red meat usually it's chicken or definitely fish does that count yeah i mean yeah i mean i eat fish i eat sushi yeah yeah anyway (laughs) what else do you you know, um, how are our joints? Are they good? Uh, well, we could talk about any other issue here. Who knows? We can talk about anything, but we're really here to talk about and to people related to Woodbury University. If you want to contact us, you can email me at greg, G-R-E-G dot hool, H-O-U-L-E, at woodbury.edu or jamie, J-A-M-I-E dot Brown, B-R-O-W-N, at woodbury.edu. You can reach us on Twitter, at woodburyu, on Facebook, at woodburyu, or on Instagram, at woodbury underscore university. So, you know, get in touch. Let us know what you think. Um, Follow us, subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn. um, Review our show. Tell your friends about it. We got another review, by the way. Oh, join us as your gu- join us as our guest as well. I want to hear about the review. Can it be? Can we talk about it on air? <laughs> it was a five star review, didn't it? No one said anything. Ah, and we, but it wasn't me or you, so that's good. That's right. <laughs> it's a good start. So you know, review us, share us, subscribe. We're getting up there. We're getting lots of listens. We're glad people are tuning in. We're having a lot of fun. So. Speaking of which, we're going to take a short break and uh, we're going to come back with our guest. Welcome. 
Welcome back to Studio 7500 with Greg and Jamie. And we're here with our guest. Uh, his name is David Manikad. And he is a junior in um, our School of Business. He's studying management with a minor in marketing. Welcome to the show, David. Welcome, David. Thank you, guys. Thank you for having me. Of course, of course. So let's just start out with just give us a little bit of background about yourself. Um, where are you from, David? I'm from Sun Valley, California, which is the next city over right next to Burbank. Mm -hmm. uh, born and raised here. Nice. And and so where did you go to high school? Went to high school, Granada Hills Charter High School in Granada Hills. Okay, wonderful. And how did you hear about Woodbury? I heard about Woodbury because a couple years ago when I was ready to transfer out of the University of Phoenix, I was already looking for my next institution that I wanted to graduate from. Uh, applying to USC, UCLA, and a bunch of other schools. Those were my top two picks. I got into both, and Woodbury being in my backyard, I always knew it was a college institution. I didn't know what they specialized in or what degree programs they offered. I just knew it was a private college and very expensive to come to. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so then, uh, well, I would say moderately, moderately expensive. Though. Moderately expensive. Fair enough, fair enough. I stand corrected. <laughs> um, <clears throat> at that point, I stopped in for a campus tour to see what degree programs, what accreditations and other criteria that I was checking off with the other two schools. Being that Woodbury has the two accreditations that only 5% of the colleges have was a definitely definitely a plus for me especially with the business program from there I checked out the class sizes and there's no more than 20 30 kids in a class where USC and UCLA have a couple hundred so mm -hmm. I, I, would, I just would have been another face in the crowd whether than building these authentic relationships with my instructors and using them as resources for possible employment or letters of recommendation so did you know you wanted to study business at that point or were you open to other things so right after high school i tapped into diff many different industries um wanted to see what every industry wanted to lend in my experience working at trader joe's for nine and a half years i learned accounting order writing inventory and also dealing with the public money handling and from there i put all the things together i said what do all of these qualities and traits of this company have to do with my educational goals and what I want to do for the future. And it all led, all roads led to business. So when I was at the University of Phoenix ready to make my move, I was under the business program there, knocking out all my undergrad in the least amount of time. From that point on, I knew it was, it was business. Mm -hmm. Business from the time I transferred from community college into uh, University of Phoenix on the Pasadena campus. Okay, so let's back up. So you went to what community college? Which community college? The physical community colleges that I attended were Los Angeles Valley College, mm -hmm. Mission College, and then the rest were all online because uh, <clears throat> there's, I think, seven to ten different community colleges that are on one website. So from that point, I went onto the website, and the website was centralized with all those colleges. From that point, I started taking classes digitally before transferring into the University of Phoenix, being in the classroom setting. And, and what made you decide to transfer to the University of Phoenix? So that was after your two years at community college or one? 
yeah, just explain that to me a little bit. So right after high school, I started taking classes at the community college level for the next five to six years, kind of basket weaving classes, mm-hmm. not really knowing my direction. So and then, general education stuff, basically? Definitely. It was yeah. it was all the building blocks of the GE, mm-hmm. of all the fundamentals that I need to know in order to start taking upper division classes. Okay. And then, and then um, from University of Phoenix, then... What, how many credits did you have and ha- what did you transfer to Woodbury as what year, if that makes sense? Yes, so at the University of Phoenix, I took a total of 48 units, which is 16 classes for the first year. The second year I matched that. So it was a total of, was it 64? And then from there, only X amount were transferred into the uh, Woodbury University from there I started from scratch. Um, <clears throat> I was actually transferred in as a sophomore. I see. Because you have to, I think, graduate with 40 to 50 credits in order to have the bachelor's at this program okay. they offer here. Not <clears throat> to get into the nitty gritty, but I think, um, you know, we're talking to p- uh, prospective students, so we want them to see how, you know, transferring from a community college or another, you know, another institution, how that all might work. So yeah. That, yeah, that's why I'm asking those questions. Well, and just to, to add to what you're saying, Jamie, because especially today, there is no real average student, and I'm doing air quotes in case you can't see. <laughs> and you can't. You can't see me because I'm not on the live feed. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> traditional students. Um, so traditional students are a little bit different now, and I think a lot of a lot of our students are transfer students. In fact, I think about half of them are. So right. I think, to your point, it's really important to understand various journeys that students take, and there are, there's no one path. So it's kind of, it, you know, I commend you, David, for um, doing everything you did to get here, and now you're here, and you're you're you're. And he only has one year left. Running. He only so, has one year left. He plans to graduate in December of 2020 from our, our business program or his, the management program and our school of business. Correct. Okay, so let's uh, move on to, so you, w- now we know how you got here. And so does your, so are you a first generation college student? My parents both went to college. My okay. Dad, by trade is an industrial plumber. So he did have to take four years for his journeyman's and then another two years for his backflow, mm. so which is equivalent to a college degree in that sense. Mm-hmm. My mother is a special education assistant, so mm. she also has college and <clears throat> a lot of experience with kids and education in that sense. So both of my parents are both college educated, but as far as a four-year university with the prestige of Woodbury University, I'm, I'm the first one in my family to attend such a great college. And so what has your um, experience been like so far? And let me just back this up by saying we really try not to be like, oh, you know, we don't like to market Woodbury, like, obviously, like, oh, it's the best school ever, blah, blah, blah. We, we want, like to. We want yeah. people to be authentic. We want because yeah. that's what's helpful, you know, for people to know, they, to get the real, like, you yeah. know, what, what was your impression when you first got here? How is that impression transformed? Sorry, Jamie, I didn't mean to take No, 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 because you were explaining this better. I mean, obviously, if you had an amazing this experience. This is my we, passion. We want to hear about it. But sure. we also, you know, when you go to a university's website, any university's website, all you're going to see are the best things about it. And of course. it really doesn't give you a 
real picture of what it's actually like to be a student here on campus. So that's part of what this show is all about. So we want to paint let, that picture. Yeah, for paint us. that picture. So walking onto Woodbury University's campus for the first time, I know I would definitely wanted a smaller campus where I'm not work, walking, you know, two or three miles from one class to the next. So the small uh, size of the school was definitely attractive to me. <clears throat> As I stepped foot in the School of Business, I started looking at all the different tools and resources that the students have accessible to them. It's up to us to tap into those resources and use them to the best of our ability because a lot of the education that we get here can honestly be learned either online or electronic PDFs. It's past that though, it's the experience of using all these tools and resources to our advantage. Um, one thing I really liked was the executive executives in residence and the lecture series that we have particularly promoted by the School of Business. So that gave me a chance, being that I already had experience from the past, to build my network and that's why I wanted to come here. Uh, being close to home, but also having these resources and these influential people from all different industries gave me a chance to pick their brain uh, for their respected industries. And the three questions that I had for each of the executives and residents was, what were your plans while you were in college? What happened after college? And how did you get to where you want to be today? Um, can you, those are great questions, by the way, but can you um, explain, just give us a little bit of explanation for those who don't know what the Executive in Residence program is? Sure. So the Executives in Residence program is something that was started by the School of Business, where we have influential people who have ties with Woodbury either being alum or being a local business, and they give us a 30-minute session to either pick their brain about business, to ask about their journey, or to get advice in their respected field. Uh, being that these people have years and years behind them of experience, either running their own business and firms, or being serial entrepreneurs and having their hands in everything, each of these figures and role models had a different story and a different path. Everyone thinks that success is a straight line from start to end, but it's a squiggly line and there's a lot of failures, there's a lot of trial and error, there's a lot of things that need to be tried before there's a, a winning formula. So being exposed to these people gives us a clearer roadmap of how to get to where we want to be by taking their experience and what they learned from life while they were still a college student and what happened afterward and then asking where <clears throat> what the process was from going after college into where they are now. So that line was squiggly, it wasn't a straight line, and a lot of the jobs that they landed or a lot of the career paths were altered along the way, but they still became successful, and that's why they're tapping back into the student population, which is amazing because these are working professionals <coughs> in the respected fields that have become successful that want to come back to the college level and help out the students now for legacy or for meaning in life or whatever it is. That's so nice, and that is really important, and as you said, an incredible resource. It's for also you. one of those things that you know, as you touched on, uh, you know, one of the things people always talk about about Woodbury, which is definitely true, and I think probably our greatest strength is our size. Um, being a smaller university means that you know you have this kind of interaction that you maybe can't get at a larger school, and. Um, this is one of those things. 
So. Exactly. Why, what, why are you laughing at me? Do you I, think no, I, I'm just laughing because we I'm have... i overly no, promotional? No, no. I'm, I'm smiling because this is the generation that is like social media. <laughs> we're being oh, live yeah, streamed. Yeah. That's and all we're, right. Hey, it's all good. Yeah. Hey there. I feel like a celebrity here. <laughs> And I'll tag you guys so the whole world can yeah, see you. Yeah, definitely tag us. And if you want to be in our show, on our show, if you have um, some some connection to Woodbury, we'd love to have you. Even if you don't have a connection. <laughs> anyway, so David, back to you. So, what are your thoughts on you know this could change? What are your thoughts on what you want to do after you graduate? I get this question all the time, and I, I give the same the same answer to that question every time. I'm already doing what I want to do. Nice. I'm not going to school to land a job. I came back to school to build my network and think about the next phase of my life. After the nine and a half years that I spent at Trader Joe's learning and acquiring all these skills, I wanted something better. I, I was making pretty good money. I was close to $27 an hour, full benefits. And I said, hey, there's something better out there for me where I'm not a, another cog in someone's machine and just another gear in the bigger picture i wanted to be the operator of that so giving up the good and thinking about the better i made some investments along the way and um, <clears throat> they were fruitful um, <clears throat> it allowed me to reinvest money in other industries and tap into other businesses as well and uh, <clears throat> from that point i kind of knew what my purpose in life was. I had a near-death experience before I started at Woodbury. Mm. And um, every day, it, it's, it's definitely meaningful. And it sounds so cliche that yesterday was the past, it's history. The future is, is a mystery, and today's a gift. That's why they call it the present. But every day, I, I, I try to find meaning and, and try to improve it and enrich the lives of others around me to the best of my ability. Um, you talked about your time at Trader Joe's. I'm curious. I'm a big fan of Trader Joe's. Who but, isn't? But are you going to, can you burst that bubble? Like what? <laughs> <laughs> Tell, give us some insider information on, on Trader Joe's. <laughs> what, what was that like? And, you know, particularly because, again, we're talking to prospective students who are thinking about their own journeys, thinking about what they want to do. What did you do there? What's it like? What's the company organization, the, the culture? What's it like? Tell us. It's amazing. Their core values are Kaizen, integrity, being a culture, product-driven company, but also customer service is number one. So they can't really change people's personalities. They look for a certain kind of people to represent not only their products, but their store and the culture as a whole. So having these core values in place, everybody has to be on the same page. You have to want to be there. You have to go in happy. You have to want to either grow your mindset or learn new skills or definitely check off other boxes that you're looking for out of that experience of working there. Um, Playing off of that, though, um, Besides the core values, I think Kaizen is is one of the ones that really stuck to me. And that's a Japanese word to always constantly improve, find efficient ways to do things either faster or better, and evolve as a person as well. So these are the core values that really stuck with me. And and, and integrity, especially in business, it taps into business ethics and it 
really spoke to me because people leaving either a diamond ring on the floor that they had dropped, it's going to be turned in. If someone left change from the last transaction and they're speeding out, that money will be credited back to them when they come back. There's no cameras in that store, so we trust our customers. There's all these little things that kind of shape my mind, not only for business, but business ethics and different facets of my life that I still apply to today. They must have been sad to see you go. Some of them. Some of them? Some of them. <laughs> well, you didn't burst my bubble. In fact, it makes me want to go there now. So <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> but now, but when I, one thing that I noticed that you talk about is how just it's important to get work, real work experience and how valuable right. that is. And sometimes even over an education. I mean, there's obviously a, a, an education is critical, but... And, but so are the actual so are, so is the actual hands-on work. I mean, can you talk a little bit about that and why you believed? So you believe to get to what you call the next level, you had to get an edu- a higher education. Is that true? A higher education was definitely an option because after I did leave Trader Joe's, I had my four hundred one k that they matched after I think five and a half or six years. So thinking about the next step, I, w- I was already thinking about investment opportunities and ways to make my money grow and make my money work for me so that when I'm ready to go to school here, I'm not financially strapped or thinking about, hey, I need my next job of how to pay, you know, the ten or $15,000 in tuition. It was more of, I got that covered already. Let's focus on building now. It's mm, amazing. So yeah. do, you, do you work part-time now or no? I do. It's okay. for a company called the Innovative Dining Group in uh, West Hollywood, Beverly Hills. Okay. They have the three best restaurants on Sunset Strip, being Boa Steakhouse, Roku wow. uh, Sushi, Tabanyaki, and Katana, which is world-renowned. What do you do for them? <laughs> uh, corporate liaison. Um, they have me consult. They go uh, from restaurant to restaurant amongst those three, kind of figure out what's going wrong, what's going right, and leveraging each. If it's going wrong, how, how are we going to fix it working with the GM? and taking the GM's word it back up into or, uh, <clears throat> the corporate level and the upper management to try to figure out a, a logical solution. And if sometimes the answer isn't apparent right away, there is a lot of trial and error. So the, the experience behind it as well is figuring out how we're gonna fix these problems within that industry. <clears throat> so is this a full-time job? No. It's yep. part. It's part. I was going to say, how do you do it all? You're like, I don't sleep. Well, that's only the half of it, right? Because we haven't Correct. even gotten to CEO and all of that. But um, if you don't mind, we kind of got sidetracked a little bit, which is totally fine. It's what we do here. But um, we were talking about your experience describing the school of business and Woodbury in general. So I wondered if you can continue telling us about your experiences with the school of business. So going back into the executives and residents, knowing that I wanted to build my network, to learn from other people's experience, to grow as a person, all these things all aligned. And my first semester here, I met with all the executives and residents, and that first encounter was a handshake and an introduction. The following semester, some of those executives came back, and it wasn't a handshake and introduction anymore. It was hey, what happened since the last time we spoke? How is this project coming along? So Mm -hmm. they're not only role models anymore. These are my colleagues that I see as potential either business partners or people that need help consulting or whatever it is. 
um, a, a missing piece where I can possibly fill in. So it opened up a, a whole different world of, of opportunities, as cliche as it sounds, and it's definitely one of the, <clears throat> I would say, quotes of the business school is tapping in and learning from the different cultures. The executives and residents, um, <clears throat> after the first semester, gave me a, a platform to be recognized and noticed. After, I think, the third or fourth speaker, I stopped into Dr. Joan Marquez's office and I said, hi, my name's David Manicad. I'm a student here. And right then and there, she said, I know who you are. You have met with all the executives. You know something about this school. And from that point on, knowing that I was on her radar, that's someone I knew I needed to be very, very close with, have clear communication, and also tap into her mind of what she wanted to do as well. So knowing that she was already looking at the list and who, who's interested and who's tapping into these resources, it, it gave me a, a whole other level of confidence within the school that they were not only going to help me, but help me grow as a person. So having her as my best support system, I, I tip my hat to her because now, I, I don't want to say this, but past the, the BBA program, um, I'm committed to finishing my MBA here as well. Wow, that's awesome. And, and to be clear, Joan... Uh, Marquez is the dean of the school. I just want to be clear about that. But, yeah, she's okay. great. Yeah. Yeah, we love Joan. Joan's a, a great educator. So also to play up on, and I'm being very promotional. Sort of um, today you are. What's <laughs> up? I mean, the you, fact don't, that you don't have to. The, David's the doing it for us. But, I mean, you know, sometimes you got to say what you got to say. And the yeah. reality is you walked into the dean's office, shook her hand, and, and introduced yourself. She and you're knew. not going to get that. She knew who he was. At a lot of schools. So I think, you know, I think there's a lot to be said for that. So that's great. One question I have, because uh, we're always curious about, how much do you interact with people outside this school of business? And it's okay if it's not much. Is it nowadays or back then? Because those are two different realities. Well, I mean, here at Woodbury. Like, uh, um... Like, do you get to interact and interface with students from other programs? Of course, yes. So being that you're the first two years here are under your undergrad before you reach your junior year and find out what you want to do, everyone's kind of taking the same general ed courses to knock all those classes out. You have fashion and marketing students right next to architecture students, right next to accounting students, right next to people from College of Liberal Arts. So every class leading up to your junior year is a microcosm of the whole school. Um, once you reach the upper division, that's when everything starts to be sorted out of, okay, those are accountants, those are architecture, those are business people, those are people from media, culture, and design. And it's not until, I would say, your junior year where it's people strictly in your major. Mm -hmm. um, why don't we go ahead and take a short break here. I wanna, um, when we get back, I wanna talk a little bit about your experience with CEO. For sure. We're back from our break. This is Jamie and Greg uh, with Studio 7500. We're here with our guest, David Monicod. 
He is a student in our school of business, um, a, a junior planning to graduate in 2020, December of 2020. And uh, before our break, we were discussing his um, involvement in an organization called Collegiate and Entrepreneur Organization. Is that correct, David? Yes, it is. Okay, tell us about it. So this is a platform, as the name represents, is CEO. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of like-minded uh, individuals who want to go into their respected field and after college or somewhere down the line, be an entrepreneur or an owner of their own company. Uh, their mission statement is to inform and inspire college students to be entrepreneurial and seek opportunity through enterprise creation. Having that as our mission statement is, is very key because CEO this year at least is a microcosm of the world. We have every grade level represented. We have every race, every nationality, and every degree program. So in a nutshell, we have all the boxes checked off that Dr. Joe Marquez placed in front of me, not, al- not only as a challenge, but as a goal to tap into for this year. And went back to her and I said, hey, come check out what we did. Um, our first meeting, there was a classroom full of students and she was like, wow. So how many, very impressed. I'm sorry, how many um, members do we have here at Woodbury? For our chapter of CEO, there's 58 Wow. As of right now, 58 members that are active. We had, I think, up to 72 at one point, but certain people dropped out. Certain people either found another club or have other things going on. So our numbers dwindled a little bit, but we still have a pretty pretty good influence on the school right now. You're president of this organization, correct? Yes, I'm, I'm the president. Wow. Or, or is it just School of Business students, or is it from across the university? It's across the whole university. Anybody from architecture who wants to have their own architecture firm or design studio are tapped in. People that are in the School of Business who want to have their own accounting firm or run their own business of whatever field that they're interested in are welcome from College of Uh, liberal arts we have people who want to have their own offices of either notoriety or or bill writing or underwriting media culture and design is represented from film majors to photographers to just creatives Mm -hmm. so we have all those degree programs and backgrounds represented within our organization so what you know what's the sort what give us a sense of what you do so like um you know, I know it probably runs the gamut, but like, give me a, a sense of what you've done so far this semester. So this semester, I want to backtrack a little bit. Yeah. Once I became the president and named the next leader of CEO, I took the summer off and I did a lot of volunteer work with the city of Los Angeles. Um, we also did a beach cleanup with the Kids Ocean Day. And then we also did pedal on the pier amongst other different events. Tapping into those three, checked off all three boxes of what the school stands for, which is environmentalism, social responsibility, and civic engagement. So taking each of those experiences, I wanted to also tap into the school's goals as well. All aligning. I took the summer off to take care of business from the beginning. I don't want to have to wait until the school year to start either fundraising or start making connections. I took the summer off 
of classes to strictly focus on my duties as the president. And to that point, it was getting out there, shaking hands, meeting people, networking, building these different solid rapports with these different individuals who are of influence. They're the, they were either the organizers or part of the commission. And if they're part of the commission for the city of Los Angeles, I got to meet their bosses as well. So <coughs> this definitely opened up a lot of doors and opportunities for CEO, but also the other titles that I hold as well that we can also tap into as resources and as networking opportunities to explore more options, but also handle the curriculum part of what CEO has to offer. Starting with this semester though, we, <coughs> the day before school started here and classes resumed, we chalked up all around campus. We put up flyers. We started posting on Instagram. We started tagging all these different people. CEO's first event was actually today that we backed. We had the, <coughs> the president of the Saudi Association, who's also a member of CEO, have us collaborate. So we had all most of our members there, if not all, to support him because he's one of our colleagues now. So anyone who wants to collaborate with us or have us back them, we're 110% there. We invite everybody. How often do you, you guys get together as a group? We get together every week. It's usually on a Wednesday mm -hmm. from noon to one. Next week, we actually have a, <coughs> a president who was president three terms ago named Danny Morales, who is part of the city of Los Angeles now and has been promoted twice. So he has a pretty nice ranking and he's coming back to tap in and start planning for the future of CEO as well. So how does it relate to the global, do you have connections to the sort of global uh, network of CEO or is it, are they all independently run? So they are silos in the sense of every school has a chapter, but we are still one unit and that unit is communicating through an app called GroupMe. Through GroupMe, we have James Zabrowski who's the president at headquarters and his assistant, Jeff Russell. So if we want to send them a message or get an answer on the spot, we send them a message and they get back in a timely manner within the next couple of hours or days. Usually not a week, it's usually a couple of days. So we communicate amongst all chapters in the group me for the presidents and <coughs> treasurer. But then we also have that network of people to also direct message as well to either get feedback or ideas. So what are some of what are some of your goals for CEO going forward? The first goal that I wanted to tackle was getting our numbers up just because last year I think we started with 25 and that dwindled Check down. Check that one off. You did that. Check that one off. Definitely <laughs> <laughs> of flying colors, which is amazing and I don't take all the credit for it. I also give credit to my team because when I was out there volunteering, they were by my side. When it came to recruiting people and getting the, world, the word out there, each of us tapped into our friends and our own individual networks to bring people in. And then their friends started to tell their friends. And then the new incoming students were like, hey, you know, what's this club all about? There's a lot of people in there from all different industries and, and backgrounds and ethnicities and grade levels. Let's go check it out. So before school started, the, the, the buzz was already out that we're out there in the community doing very, very positive things. From that point, it was, what are we going to do looking into the future now? Besides 
the collaborations that we're currently working on and have planned, we still want to have these goals checked off of being environmental savvy, but also aware. Having the civic engagement and the social responsibility checked off as well. So those those are my goals going into this semester was checking off those three boxes, making sure that our unit stays cohesively tight knit and whoever has either a project going on or a performance or something that they want to launch, everybody's backing that person as well. Um, I think, and I'm going to take this opportunity to be promotional again, but, um, you know, Woodbury has about 30 or so organizations, clubs and organizations. Uh, CEO is one of them, one of the active ones. That's great, great to see. But I think it, it's sort of a microcosm into what students can do here. Um, the, the, the beauty of it, too, is, is someone like David can come in and really take charge of these organizations. So it's not just that you can start your own organization, you can take charge of an organization, bring it forward. So it's kind of exciting, and it's one of the aspects of, again, of having a smaller campus. I'm gonna ask you, David, what is, um, you know, you've been to community college and you've had the University of Phoenix experience. What differentiates Woodbury's business school from your experiences on these other campuses and other programs? I think with the community college level, that was definitely a building block because from that building block <clears throat> with the University of Phoenix, it was having adjunct professors, meaning professors either working in that industry, have worked in, in that industry, or have ties being a consultant or a third party with that industry. So from that point, some teachers only had their bachelor's, some only had their master's. I've noticed that a lot of my professors here at Woodbury are also doctorates, a majority of them are, meaning they have either written scientific journals or articles or published books. Mm -hmm. As Joan Marquez, my main role model here, has wrote, written several successful no novels, but also articles and books that are amazing. Mm -hmm. So you think the uh, the quality of um, the professors has? That's definitely increased. Um, instead of just reading out of books and being so cut and dry and, and black and white when it comes to answering their questions, they actually make you think critically, mm -hmm. which is Critical. which is amazing. Yes, it it stretches our brain in a different way where it's not just learning things to spit it back out mm -hmm. it's it's learning things to retain it to take out into the real world but also to be reapplied either in your own life or to continue at your education or to make you better in your career so the level of not only professionalism but the level of the material have all raised when i once mm -hmm. i stepped foot on campus and started to see what the teachers were about being past just teachers or instructors or professors in their given industry these are our role models. These are people who want to be used as resources, mm -hmm. who want us to tap into their industry or into their network to use them as, like I said, tools, but also <clears throat> as, as networking hubs, I would say, in a sense, when you, once you walk into a certain school or college on campus, they have a whole list of deans and, and active people who really definitely want to make a difference and help out their students. So we all have heard loud and clear that you are an entrepreneur. You want to be an entrepreneur. To what, what you know, you don't want to work for anyone else. You want to be your own boss. Yes. 
what I haven't really, I don't have a clear understanding is what area you'd like to go into, what areas, do you have any idea yet? Or, or is that still, you don't, you're not sure? At the basis of everything, it's definitely investing, having my money work for me and following my passions and things that I find meaningful. So being an investor in the cannabis and hemp industry kind of set the benchmark of everything else to follow. Working for IDG is tapping back into the corporate, but also using it as a resource for to hold meetings, to, to bring people from other countries and other cities and showing them what California has to offer, especially in Los Angeles. Taking them to these spots, it's it's a different level of professionalism. So when I get to sit down in a in a room that has a thousand dollar minimum, it's different than just meeting at Applebee's or or hometown buffet. It's it's a little bit more serious. Not to bag on those. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Um, so you so you're thinking, how about investing other people's money? So is is that something you'd consider doing? Yes, so with my macroeconomics teacher, we started talking about hedge funds and different investment vehicles. I did have some exposure to it working with the World Financial Group, working with health insurance and investments past 401ks. So having exposure to that industry kind of set my mindset of now having my money work for me and tapping into other financial possibilities and avenues. Going back to the question before, uh, being an, a serial entrepreneur, I think more than that, I, I would like to go into angel investing and finding either startups or new company development that I would like to back. And mm -hmm. using CEO as a platform is allowing me to not only build my network, but also see who's business minded and who my potential business partners are. Okay. Yes. That makes sense. Let's, uh, you, since you touched on this, let's talk about the, your involvement in the cannabis industry, if you don't mind. Sure. Um, can you talk a little bit about that, especially for people who are not uh, in California? We have listeners all around the world. Awesome. Let me just remind you, if you want to uh, <laughs> subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, tune in, review us, share us, subscribe Listen to all our shows. This is about our 40th show or whatever. We've got, got a ton of shows. So anyway, um, again, getting promotional. But, um, it's perfect. We need it. <laughs> so it's usually not so this promotional. I, you know, so <laughs> I'm in a mood. You're whatever. in the mood today, yeah. <laughs> uh, but talk to us a little bit about, because that's uh, legalized here and it's an industry. Talk to us about getting in on the ground floor, what you're doing, all of that stuff, if you don't mind. For sure. So when I was making my way out of Trader Joe's and everything finalized, I was already looking for my next move, like I had mentioned. Having my 401k already set up and knowing that I've already met the minimum years to be fully vested where they match my Contribution. I, I, contributions, I think they yeah. would call it. Mm -hmm. So matching that, I had working capital. If I would have pulled it out, I would have been taxed heavily, 10% and I think another 40% penalty. So only ended up with a fraction. So that's when I started looking for possible investment vehicles and having my money work for me. Last year, cannabis and hemp both became legal. I think it was cannabis that was more highlighted. Hemp is still kind of in the gray area. I seen that as an opportunity that I couldn't pass up on. So right then and there, I started looking at different grows around California. And a good amount of them are actually in the Salinas Valley 
So I, I paid a visit to San Jose. I went to all 10 places to check out not only their criteria that I had made for myself, but to see if it was a real actual place of business. From the 10 that I visited, there was only two that were doing business the right way and had private placement memorandums, which is all the legal documents in place and looking at their financial statements being their profits and losses and income statements being the most two important documents I wanted to see. There was only one that checked off all the criteria, had all their licenses from top to bottom distrib distribution and where was actually a physical place as some of these places were just a hole in the wall, mm. kind of shady, illegal. Mm. So tapping into the farm that I invested in, they only had one property at the time. Within, I think, a year, year and a half now, <clears throat> they've gone into three growing properties and acquired a plastic recycling plant, which is used for oils and extracts now. So having that initial investment and being part of the initial investment team to fund everything that gave me a, a chance to have exposure in that market but also see how everything works as an investor it was a first-hand experience so <clears throat> so these are privately held companies that you were looking at yes uh privately held being that they're legal some of them were just on the black market and those are the oh, ones I, yeah. I scratched off right away because putting you know the money that i did into that industry without having all these that would be unethical well one of the yes one of these the items <laughs> checked off i i strayed away from right away i just crossed out i said no 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 that's well, not my money's not just going to disappear on me like that yeah. <laughs> now if correct me if i'm wrong one of the challenges is since it is not legal federally it's not it's really kind of a cash business right they can't do banking because of fear that like the federal government will step in or whatever you know but mm. so maybe that's changing a little bit now yes. Greg's looked into it too obviously no I mean I just I'm you know I'm I'm, I'm tuned in yeah yes. no I, I glad I'm glad that you you brought that point up because taking that opportunity of there's no one really doing things with that capital was how is that money that everyone's sitting on going to be translated into the next business or investment opportunities for them. One of the founders of the grow that I actually invested in is starting a bank that was federally cleared. So I also put okay. money into them. Um, they're also looking into crypto now, which is another opportunity to invest in. So turning the physical dollar into digital money now that they can move around, it's, it's, everything's all digital now. It's, it's the modern era that we live in. Mm -hmm. So sitting on a bunch of cash just doesn't make sense anymore. If you can convert that cash digitally and have it to take care of other transactions and to make money moves is definitely a smarter and, and safer way of, of transferring the dollar amount around to either acquire assets or properties or more products. So that's definitely a, a plus is figuring out what all these people are doing sitting on cash. And they've already thought, since I can't put it in, into a bank, what are my options? Mm -hmm. So that bank that was started that I put money into, that's even grown exponentially. Well, I think it's, it's you know, it's an interesting um, area right now, particularly for someone who's a business student, because mm -hmm. we're always thinking about, like, what's the ne next big thing? And this is something that 
you know, it's pretty obvious is a growth industry right now. So it's yes. kind of exciting to be involved in. It's amazing, yes. I, I, if I had another chance to think about another place to put my money into, I mean, you, the stock market, it's volatile. It's up and down every day. So mm-hmm. if I would have bought stocks, you know, I put all my money into one place instead of diversifying, I would have lost a lot of money already. So taking that calculated risk of being year one and only seeing growth from that point on only made sense to me. The only other opportunity like this that has been presented to investors any other time in history was right after prohibition ended and alcohol companies were established. Mm. Right, exactly. I mean, it's, um, well, you know, talk about some of, um, you know, how you, as a business student, like, do you, do you talk about some of this stuff? Do you talk about, like, the, you know, which way the market's going and, and you know, do you get into this kind of stuff? I know you're probably talking a lot, lot about theory and a lot about that kind of stuff, which is important, but how, how much do you get into the sort of this kind of topic? So I love talking money. I love talking numbers. I love talking business. And with my macroeconomics and my last economics class, it shows us firsthand how the stock market works how all these different investment vehicles work being through either life insurance once you outlive your policy or investing your money long-term with bonds or, you know, having a little extra working capital to take a risk in the stock market right now. I think within the next year and a half, two years, definitely, there's going to be a big dip. So I've already pulled out most of my money waiting for that dip to (coughs) reach its trough in the bottom, I would say is when I want to buy back in because everything's going to go back up in price. So, mm. what, what, what are your thoughts on the housing market? Same thing? <laughs> actually, you know what? I actually had this conversation with Mr. Kusumano, which is one of the biggest real yeah. estate developers yes. in Burbank. Mm-hmm. It's not only him, but it, his family has a storied history. Yep. And I even asked him about it, and he said, right now, it's a seller's market. Everything's overpriced because everyone knows that the market's going to be corrected. And having it as overpriced as it is, is actually good for the industry because people are offering lower or they're they're putting lower bids in so those people are they're they're overpricing it to still make a profit that makes any Mm, sense yeah right so right now it's a seller's market as he told me uh to buy a house wait anywhere between another year and a half to three years to reach its lowest lowest that's good to know right greg absolutely (laughs) wait (laughs) <laughs> and this is this is firsthand experience and, yeah. and knowledge from someone who's yeah building buildings and yes. having Whole yeah. Foods and all these amazing things that he's doing. He it, is it's amazing. He he's one of the executive in residences, right? Or is he on the board? Yeah, he's, he's both. Or both. Yeah, he's yeah. on the, the advisory school. board for the right. business school. But it, it, again, since I've been doing this all day, I'll do it again. Um, <laughs> It's another example of how we tap into the wealth of experience here. And I, I'm glad, David, that you're here to, to, to prompt all this because we're doing it authentically. I'm not yeah. I'm not just saying, hey, we got no. all these great people. We actually are showing that it Taking works. Taking the opportunity to say, here's another example of how we do that. So, um, but I will Definitely. say, I, I just want to say like your story too of, of you know, you've, you've been to a number of schools You've worked, you're, you're entrepreneurial, you're thinking about things, then you make your way here, you're thinking already ahead about an MBA, 
I mean, you're kind of a role model for a lot of people as well. So, you know, it's really great to have you on here and ta- mm-hmm. telling us your, your journey. Thank you. I appreciate that. That's a very, very humbling. But at the same time, I feel like I'm barely getting started because uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to speak about it or not. But but here he goes. But here I go. <laughs> We're wide open Disclosure. Here. Everybody listening. Not, not promotion, but very, very authentic. So stepping onto this campus, I know I wanted to leave my mark and leave a legacy. The first semester, I would say the whole the fir- whole first year altogether was just learning who's who, what's what, and just using this canvas as as a blank slate of, hey, this is your paintbrush. What are you gonna do with it? Tapping in with Dr. Joan Marquez and gaining her trust and keeping my grades up and showing her what I'm capable of doing when my back was up against the wall. We started to build a very, very strong relationship. I can confide in her as a confidant, not only to disclose my ideas, but also to share with her, to elaborate on her mission and goals. Right now, Woodbury University is the oldest business school in the West, but starting 2020, we will be the newest. We want to attract the greatest and most creative forward-thinking minds as we're working on a program with the College of Liberal Arts and Architecture. Being that I'm a business student, I want to start thinking about the future and the goals that the school has, but the qualities that they want to touch on, which are, as I mentioned before, civic engagement, social responsibility, and environmentalism. Right now, global warming is a big topic and the ice caps are melting. So thinking about and highlighting innovation. I I really didn't see innovation here being tapped into. So starting 2020, we're starting iSchool, which is the innovative space for collegiate hub and ontology for leadership and organization. Other way around, organization and leadership, as that the acronym explains. So it's taking the three disciplines of College of Liberal Arts the School of Business and Architecture, putting them under one umbrella and seeing what comes from this forward-thinking way of doing business now. So it's not only innovating College of Liberal Arts or innovating the School of Business or innovating architecture, but it's, it's taking also media, culture, and design, which is on the back burners, and incorporating them as well, putting them under one umbrella so it's transdisciplinary amongst the students. And the students are going to have the capacity and the room to put their ideas into motion instead of waiting until after college using the school's resources to get those ideas out there. And with iSchool, <clears throat> they're actually setting up an office for me where people can come and meet with me, but even beforehand, pitch their ideas so I know what forms to have, either being trademark, copyright, intellectual property, so forth. So when they come to me for ideas, I have that slip or paperwork also a non-disclosure agreement to go ahead and explode these business options and i got this idea from (coughs) there's a business called toolbox la out in chatsworth taking that business model and putting a curriculum behind it but also taking a page out of harvard's book the computer science linked up with mathematicians linked up with engineers electrical engineers and people from other industries to come out with products. The products that they have come out with have actually been sold to iRobot. So it's it's more than just data. 
It's more than just engineering. It's more than, than just mathematics. It's all of those put together. And <clears throat> being as progressive thinking as both of those role models of businesses is something I wanted to take and put into Woodbury's not only curriculum, but their image as well. We are now out of time. So see how quickly it goes? goes quick. But thanks for sharing that. Thanks for sharing your story with us, David. You know, best of luck to you. We appreciate what you do. We appreciate your you being a part of our community. And your passion. Thank you. It, it, it was definitely a wonderful experience. I'm, I'm humbled by all these great opportunities and looking for meaning in life and pursuit of happiness, I think, is why we're all here. So giving everyone that platform and the tools here on campus, it, it's going to be amazing. It's only going to yield positive results in my eyes. Thank well, you. Well, thank you, and we'll see thank you again. You. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you.